Come on up, Pastor Ray, testify. And then we're going to have him help me uh, preach today. But start off with a testimony. Tell us what God is doing. Thank you. Hello, Metro Praise. It's good to be back. I'm supposed to be flying over the Pacific Ocean now. <laughs> but God changed the direction. I'm still here. I'm not leaving until the 17th of May. As you know, my kidney is not function functioning properly, my right one. And my left kidney is completely shut down. But my new nephrologist is discovering that, uh, discovered that my kidney, my left kidney could have been preserved if my previous doctor had done what it should have been done. But that's a different story. Now, it's too late. He said it's only miracle that can do it. But son, last Monday, he called me and he said, there might be a possibility that something can be worked out on your left kidney. So, uh, if you can stay for a few more days, I would like to use this me medication. But it is too strong and might have a side effect. And the side effect is that there might, you might urinate blood. And so um, I thought about it. I talked to my children. I said, Dad, you're already there. You're already here. Wait. You know, that's the reason why you go in there. So I called the doctor back and he said, I'm staying. I'm giving up. The airline ticket, because when you buy a, a what do you call it now, um, a discount ticket, you forfeit it if you don't uh, uh, use it. Uh, so I'm, I said, I will just let go of that because my health is more important. Well, Tuesday, I will have an appointment with the doctor, and I'm going to start the medication. It said to me that my sugar is a little bit elevated. Nothing to be worried, but we need to put that in control because that's, a, that's an, an enemy for your kidney. If your sugar rises up, you will end up in dialysis. So I smiled and I said, everything is in the hands of the Lord. What would I do? I cannot cry. Be happy, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So um, he said, when you take this medication, it will stabilize your sugar. It will also protect you from having a heart attack. And it will strengthen your right kidney. He said, because of your age, we cannot stop the degradation of the going down of your kidney. But we can slow it down. Said so now your kidney raise up a little bit, your right kidney, from twenty nine percent, it is fluctuating between thirty three to forty percent. You are not going down it. So he said, you have nothing to worry, but let's try this medication. It's not uh, the medication uh, is not covered by my insurance. I have a copay half of it, but I said okay. So I'm very positive in faith. Nothing is impossible with God. So I'm hopeful. Thank you very much for your prayer. And also, I, I requested Pastor Joe. I said, I would like to come and worship with you, being I have no place to go to preach. Because this is my home church when I'm in Chicago. Just to, 
express my sincere gratitude and thanksgiving for your generosity, your love, and your support, your pastor's love and support for the ministry. This church give the biggest offering in this time that I, have, I came here. You have given to the Philippines toward the ministry $9,362. Thank you. I pray that God will return it to you a hundredfold. Amen. Thank you, man of God. Can we pray for Pastor Ray? Father, we lift up to you right now this mighty man of God and the work that relies upon him and his family in the Philippines and all of the pastors and churches that they support. Lord, we pray for healing of the kidney. We pray for medical science to come in line with his body, Father. And we pray for the prosperity of his ministry to live a long age, God, for him to continue to go on serving you for that precious nation, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. You'll be hearing from him in just a moment. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're going through the book of Hebrews verse by verse in the second service. Today we're going through the lesson of faith in finances. Somebody say, faith in finances. Amen. We are a blessed church. When I got that number that we had given him almost $10,000, and two weeks prior we had given almost $7,000 to Wayman in the Central American Crusade, that is almost $20,000 in one month. Can we say amen to that? Praise God. You're sitting next to generous people, and that's what we do. We give. We're not here to boast about buildings. We're not here to boast about, uh, you know, the cars that we drive and those things. We're going to boast in what we do for the Lord's work here. And when people look at this church, he had said, you know, no offense to these other churches, bigger churches and so forth, some of them only given a few hundred dollars. We support our missionaries. We stand by them as if they are ourselves, as if the Philippines was my own church. Amen? And that's why we're a blessed congregation. Now, look at this in the faith message today. Look at this, how Jesus orchestrates this. Because in verse 4 it says, by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Now, we had gone through these verses prior, but I just want to remind you in review because it's going to be a series within a series. So as we go through the whole book of Hebrews, we're stopping here, and we're going to be taking some time. So go back up to verse 1 now, what we talked about last week. Now faith is. Somebody say, now. Come on, say, ahora. Amen. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, this is what the ancients were commended for. If you want to be like Abraham, you need to have faith. You want to be like Noah, you need to have faith. You want to be like David faces Goliath and wins that victory, you've got to have what? Faith. That's what the Bible says we do. Now, there are two errors that people make with faith. The first one that I spoke about last week was superstition. The world will say to us, oh, you have faith, I have science. And then I ask them, where did your science come from? Hello? Where did their science come from? See, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Did anybody listen to the string theory scientist, Michiwakaku, last week as I asked you to? Anybody? I did. I went home and followed my homework. 
Michu Akaku, string theory, scientist, particle physics. How are the most smallest particles functioning right now? Waves of sound. <laughs> sound familiar from the scripture, y'all? At God's what? command. At his voice, he commanded these things. Notice what it says. The universe was formed at God's... Y'all quiet in second service. Highlight it for them, man. The Bible's in front of you. Karaoke with me right now. It was formed at God's... No, just the word I'm asking right now. Formed at God's command. Put it up there, Michuakaku string theory. I don't want to play the video but put it up there for me. I want everyone to see it. String Theory, Michuakaku. I believe it's in the Big Think, I Think series. This man's not even a Christian. He said what string theory is. Google it on your phone right now. Ask Google what it is. And then ask Google what the meaning of life is. You need Jesus too. Are you listening to me? Some people think Google has all the answers. But put it up there for me as he finds it. Your world that you're in right now is vibrating the sound of God. Where do you think it came from? Where do you think this world came from? See, the scientist wants to say to us, you silly Christian, I believe in science. You believe in God. Listen to me. I believe in science because of God. You too, please. Michu Akaku now. String theory. Put it up there. I want you guys to see it right there. Thank you. I want you on your time to listen to this. I do not want anyone here to think when we talk faith, we are talking superstition. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Okay, now go away from there. We don't need that. We're back to the Bible where that came from. Amen? Where did all that come from? God's what? Command. Let there be light, and there was light. Before there was a sun, there was light. God is the source of light. God is the source of matter, space, and time. So I corrected last week this idea that Christians are superstitious and they're scientific. No, you want to know what make-believe is? Make-believe is that something came from nothing. Isn't that what they believe? That's superstition. That's make-believe. I believe, but I don't have make-believe. You all listening to me? See, I believe what God said. God said it and bang, it happened. They go, oh, I believe in the big bang. Who banged it and what banged? From nothing, nothing comes. Disprove that. Disprove that you can get something from nothing. And I'll be the first one to believe that nothing exploded a billion plus years ago. Are you tracking with me? You see, brothers and sisters, they're playing make-believe. Something created what we call the universe. What is that something? All-powerful, all-knowing. And we also believe that God is universally full of love for us. Why? Because we have love as our strongest attribute of morals. Where did those come from? That didn't come from the goo to the zoo to you. Animals today don't have love. They'll eat their own young. And don't have me put up here a mama lion eating her baby lion, okay? It's funny. They want to use that for their examples of homosexuality and sexual promiscuity, but they don't want to use it for cannibalism. Well, those, there's some species of whatever that have homosexual relations. Yeah, there's also other species that eat their young. What are we going to animals for? We're made in the image of God. Amen? Amen. The Bible says faith is a substance. It's something you hold on to when you can't see everything in front of you. It's not despite evidence. It's because of evidence. 
We don't have a make-believe kind of faith like they have at Six Flags today. I'm sure somebody will be out there if it's open now, throwing a quarter in front of a wishing well. That's make-believe. That's blind faith. When Peter walked on water, that wasn't blind faith. That was him seeing Jesus Christ and the word C-O-M-E telling him to come. If God says, come, walk on water, water will hold you up, Bubba. Are you listening? It's not illogical to the point of where God is looking at it. It seems illogical to us because we don't make water a solid, but God can make water a solid because he's the same one who created it. If you don't believe me, I'll put up right up here a video game uh, programming software that you can teach your children, and I can make a Bart Simpson-like character walk on what I call water. How many have ever played a video game? Have you ever fly in the air? You ever play a superhero that can shoot stuff out your body or, or be a superhero? Or you ever do anything, you die, you come back to life. Why can you do that? Because a video game made the laws of what that video game can do. The creator allowed that to happen. Our God is the creator of the universe. If he wants to call for Jesus from the dead, he can. We're not playing make-believe. It's not superstition. Anyone who says, I believe in science and not God, you have just met somebody who doesn't understand science. Science does not do itself. It is not on Sesame Street as a word talking around called science. Science didn't create nothing. Science is what scientists do who were made in the image of God. Because you can think, you can now think after him. I think, therefore I am. And chemicals, which they're now trying to say is all the way you think, is just chemicals reacting in your brain. How do chemicals in your brain understand the laws of logic? Put them in a Petri dish right now and put them under a microscope and see if they can understand this. Socrates is a man. All men are mortal. Therefore, Socrates is mortal. Did you understand that? That's probably the first logical syllogism. How do you get that? But your chemicals in a Petri dish that make up your brain can't understand that because you're more than chemicals. You're more than the combination of chemicals. You are a soul inside of this body using your body like I used my car to get here. The body is the vehicle for the soul. Can I hear an amen? Now, all religions believe in this in some form or fashion, but they don't have the details. And so then people try to pit us against each other. Well, the Hindu says, oh, it was um that created the universe, and that's what makes string theory work. And then it's uh, the Muslims who say this, which will take part of our creation story. They believe it with us in Genesis. And then it's a religion over here that says this, and a religion over here. How do we know the difference between your face? It sounds like it's all make-believe, where in science we can tell the difference between a good hypothesis and a bad hypothesis and therefore turn it into a theory after experimentation and confirmation. Brothers and sisters, I have one word to show you the difference between every religion. It starts with a J and ends with an S. Do you know what I'm talking about today? His name is what? Jesus. Put Jesus next to Buddha. Let's see what he's doing right now. Buddha's in the grave. Probably in hell, Jesus is ascended in flesh next to the right hand of the Father. Where are the founders of that religion? They're dead and buried. Mine is ascended to heaven. Historically. Proven to be true, Jesus is in heaven with the Father, physically raised from the dead. Now, the next one that I wanted to say to you, and just look at your neighbor and say, this is the introduction. Amen. There's plenty more to come. This is just the introduction. The other part that I wanted to share with you that I didn't get a chance to last week is that faith is not merely a mental ascent that does not have works. So the one error that people make with faith is this secular world 
The secular world will say, you guys have faith, we have science, now you know how to blow that up. But the other side of the world, the Christian world, even Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox, and then all the other religions of the world, Hinduism and Islam, will say, oh, you Christians that are Protestants who believe in grace and faith, you guys have just an easy road to heaven, I guess. You just believe in Jesus, do whatever you want, and go to heaven. And then if you talk to a Muslim, they'll say, it doesn't work like that for us. We have to pray five times a day. We have to fast during Ramadan. You talk to a Catholic, we have to do such and such during Lent. We have to see a priest, and if we don't get enough of our sins forgiven that way, we have to go to a water stain and a bridge and call that Mary and lay down flowers and candles. It's quiet in this city. Did you remember when the water stain was thought to be Mary? Why do they go to that? For salvation, for extra merit? They believe all of these saints, which, by the way, the Bible calls it more saints on earth than it ever does in heaven. I'm a saint here on earth. Can I hear an amen? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In the King James, please, verse 1. We are saints on earth. But why do they do that? Because they believe that there are certain kinds of Christians that have worked so much good works that now they're in heaven, they have an extra bank account, which they call the treasury of merit, that now you can pray to them and get you uh, some merit yourself. So they have so much. Everybody say merit. It's another word for grace. They have so much grace and merit that they didn't need it all. So Mary, she didn't need all her merit. She had so many. Uh, The saints, they had so many. But now you pray to them and you get them. That's why they go to those water stains. So they look at us and they go, oh, you just a silly Protestant. You're protesting the Roman Catholic Church. And then you say you could see Jeffrey Dahmer get saved and go to heaven. He didn't do any good works. And then you're saying even Hitler, if, if he accepted Christ on his deathbed, he could go to heaven while the Jew went to hell still believing in the Judaism that he was taught or she was taught. Do you see how now they'll make fun of us as saying by grace alone, through faith alone, what you just confessed? I said, do you see it? Do you understand how they'll mock you? But they don't understand what the Bible says. Look at what it says right here. It says, those who are at Corinth, those that are sanctified in Christ, Jesus called to be what? Saints. That's what you're called to be. Pick up the phone and answer. Say, I'm a saint. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm a saint. Amen. If you say, I ain't a saint, okay, I'll believe you. And I'll be born again a saint. Now go to our scripture in Hebrew and understand this. In Hebrews, excuse me, when we say we're saved by grace through faith, we're using the exact scriptures of the Bible. But does faith remain as only what you believe up here in your mind or in your heart? No, there's an action to faith. See, notice these verses as we go through them quickly. Follow with me, brother. By faith, in verse 4, Abel brought God a better offering. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things to come, built in ark. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham was called to leave a place, and he received his inheritance. Keep on going down. Verse 17, by faith, when God tested Abraham, he offered up Isaac. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob do you see it faith has works go to Ephesians 2 8 real quick please we are saved by faith alone through Christ's grace alone but understand this faith is never alone I'm saved by faith alone but faith never comes alone it always comes with God's works So when these religions, even the Roman Catholics who claim the name of Christ want to add works to grace, they don't get it. I'm not saved by those works, but those works of grace come after salvation. 
And I'll explain it to you as clearly as I can, maybe two to three examples, five if you don't get it in the first three. Are you listening? How many think you can get it in two examples? How many want to go for one example and you'll get it? Okay, let's try our, let's try and see how it goes here. For it is by grace, verse 8, you have been saved through faith, and this is from yourself and all the works you did, and all the times you prayed to Mary, and all the extra merit you got, and all the candles you lit. Is that what it says? And all the times you fasted during Ramadan. That's how you were saved. No, for it is by grace you have been saved through what? Faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So do you understand if it came by our works, then we could boast about it. Well, I went to the water stained bridge, and you didn't, so I got more. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I went during, I fasted all the days of Ramadan, but I saw you sneaking a falafel over there, man. Come on. Come on. I saw you, Muhammad. You were stealing some stuff over there. You know, you got some food. You, know, you ate some grapes. You know, I saw you over there. Oh, oh, oh you know what? Uh, I saw you during the, you know, the time you were supposed to be a vegetarian. You ate some food, and so that crooked chicken yoga pose ain't going to work for you. No, come on. Let's be honest. If we were doing this by works, all of us would be boasting. Every single one of us. Well, I prayed three hours. Well, I prayed three and a half hours. I prayed four hours. I fasted 10 days. Well, I fasted 40 days. I fasted the whole month. I don't even eat anymore. <laughs> Seriously. I was talking to my Hindu neighbor, and that's what his dad was going for. He's a Hindu. He's like, he's like, I started off eating meat, and then I became a vegetarian. Then I just became only like certain fruits. And he said, my goal is to become an eritarian. I had never even heard that word before. You can Google it. There's people right now that claim they live on air, but it's really hot air, if you know what I'm talking about. They always find them eating stuff, but they try to become a guru that way. One man said he swore off sex, had a bunch of women around him all the time, and they said that's not true. He was lying. But anyways, that's what people want to boast. And look at me. I'm an eritarian. I look at all my works. That's, that's how mankind is will boast. But the Bible is very clear. Salvation, not by works. No one can boast. Do you know that Mary needed a Savior just as much as I need a Savior? She can't boast. Well, I brought forth Jesus. I don't need a Savior. No, you need a Savior. Every, Moses needed a Savior. Abraham needed a Savior. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. The Bible's very clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's only one born of a virgin, and that's Jesus. The Catholics find themselves in a problem because now they want to make Mary sinless, and they talk about the Immaculate Conception. That's not for Jesus. They're now making that up for Mary. Well, since Mary had to bring forth a pure person called Jesus, then she had to be pure. But how many know that that means her mom had to be pure? And then the next mom had to be pure. Let's just stick with the Bible, folks, and not superstition. One man came perfect. That was Jesus. Amen? Adam and Eve were created perfect, but they were not born perfect. Jesus is the only one to come through the womb to be perfect. You are saved by grace through faith. But now keep going. Verse 10, don't stop there. You know, in those first parts, because that's what they think we're saying. No, the, the, you know, the Christian is just a person of faith, a person that just believes, and then anybody can get saved. Now you can do whatever you want. That's not what we teach. For we are God's what? handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Example number one, let's see if you all get it right here, and then we can move on with the sermon. We're still in the introduction phase. Does my child do the good works of mathematics first, or is my child born first? Okay, you all got it. Now, connect it to spiritual birth. 
Do we do good works first or do we get born again first? You get born again first. Do you do good works first or do you get saved first? You get saved first. You can no more work your way to salvation than you can flap your wings and fly as high as that plane Pastor Ray was supposed to be on. I'm not talking about jetpacks and I'm not talking about Iron Man. I'm saying you right now do the good work and flap up 30,000 feet. You can't work hard enough to get there. You can't save yourself. But if you got into that plane with him, you would be cruising at 30,000. You see, salvation is cruising with Jesus. Now that I'm where Jesus is, I can do what Jesus does. I can keep Jesus' commands, but I have to be born again first. So everyone that's ever said, well, man, I'm still working on me, then I'm going to come to church, that's a fool's errand. You'll be working on yourself until you die and go to hell. You can't fix yourself. You're broken. It's like you trying to give yourself a heart transplant with your same old heart. Here, let's take this one out and then put it back in. Or trying to give yourself a blood transfusion if you got AIDS from your right arm to your left arm. Hey, this one will help this one. Or trying to clean yourself if you got tar on your hands. Anybody listening? You ever try to do that? That's a messy job right there. You better get that tar off first. You better have some gooby gone stuff to get it off so you can clean yourself. The only way we could ever do good works is if we're first, everybody get this, made a good work. A sinner will always sin because they're a sinner. The only reason why I can stop sinning is because I've been made a saint, the good work of God. Did you see? It's right there. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It never came from you. You're not the origin of this. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. That's how I can do good works because I'm God's handiwork created for the purpose in Christ Jesus to do good works. And God prepared in advance for us to do them. The good work of you gentlemen no longer looking at OnlyFans or being involved in pornography is already set before you by God. And if you're a Christian, you were made to live pure. Can I hear an amen? The good work for everything that God has called us to do is right there in front of us. You need the good work today of watching your mouth, speaking words of kindness, not being bitter, forgiving your enemy, loving those uh, around you as you love yourself. That good work path has already been set out. Amen? It's already right there. It's like when I had to put together this little bunny hutch. Let me just tell you a little story right here. I don't know if you're going to like me after the story, but you'll get to know a little bit more about me. So we have bunnies in my backyard. We have some bunnies, and we got a mama bunny, a daddy bunny, and four baby bunnies. So I'm like, let's build them a bunny hutch. I want them to have a place to live so that then I can eat them and have more bunnies to eat later on. So now my kids are hating on me for building the bunny hutch, even though I told them this is what we're doing with the bunny hutch. So we're treating them really nice now, giving them their carrots, then we put the carrots in the bunny hutch, and then before you know we're going to lock them in the bunny hutch, and then they're going to reproduce because every 30 days they can do it, and then I'm going to eat them, but they're going to stay there as my friends, but I'm going to eat them as my friends. I know you guys don't like me, but that's how I am. That's how, by the way, unless you're a vegetarian, you'd like me, but you let someone else do that. So when I was putting together the bunny hutch, I didn't have to share that part of it, but I did. I thought you would get to know a little bit more about me. When I was putting it. Uh, together the bunny huts, guess what there was? Instructions. 
the exact instructions of what I needed to do. Somebody prepared, y'all getting it right now, somebody prepared for me the good work of making a bunny hutch. All I had to do was just follow those instructions. And I know sometimes they're hard and we get impatient and we mess it all up. But how many know right here we got the basic instructions before leaving earth? The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. There you go. It's Put there right in front of you how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, children, how to obey your parents, how to get along in a society that doesn't like you very much, how to know your gender, how to know how to act according to that gender, how to watch your words, how to watch how you think, how to treat others, how to believe about heaven and hell so that you have purpose here on this earth, and how to serve your neighbor and to do a good work because we're all created in his likeness to do something good here. Amen? Now go to the passage with me for today's message. So faith is not superstition, and it is not a dead, no works kind of faith. We are not superstitious. That's what the secular world is. No, we are supernatural. We believe in the supernatural power of God. Otherwise, tell me how we got here. And I love what they say then after that. They go, that's a dumb question. We just are here. And I go, man, it's dumb that you don't think about it. See, I've already thought, how many have thought about it before? Where you came from? Why, why are you here? Where are you going after you die? Some people say those are dumb questions. No, I think we know who the dumb one is here. That's not the dumb question. That's exactly the reason why I'm a Christian today, because God fills the God-shaped hole in my heart. How many have experienced that before? Where you just wonder, why am I here? I mean, am I just here to do, you know, what, what everybody else does, and then I die, and then they all forget about me? Most of us couldn't even name without the help of those apps, those ancestry apps, we couldn't even name our great-grandparents. Ready, set, go. I'll give you $10 if you can tell me your great aunt. Your great, we don't even know their names. And people think that's what I'm here for. No, your legacy will die out. You'll turn to dust. But we're here for more than that. We're here for the glory of God. If this is all there was, the Bible says, let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But if we are here for the purpose of God, and the explanation is that we're made here by God's commands to follow his commands and to live a life of fruitfulness, then faith will have us do stuff. And look at the example. Go all the way back up to the top, please. What is the first example we get in the hall of faith known by uh, Christians all throughout the world? This passage is known as the hall of faith. What is the very first one we learn in verse 4? It's about finances, Cain and Abel. Think about that. I'm not going to take up another offering, but are you being faithful in your offerings? Look at the scripture. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. You know what most people say? Well, God shouldn't be judging people's offerings. God should just be happy. I didn't think God needed anything. I thought God had all that he needed. Why is God judging him? I thought he just brought what he wanted. Shouldn't God just take it? Go into the book of Genesis with me now. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Whose earth is this? Whose earth is this? God's. What do you think you should do with it? You should honor him. You see, the people that ask me all the time, why do you give? Why do you give? I say, why wouldn't I give? Why wouldn't I give to the God who created the heavens and earth? You stingy, rotten, filthy sinner, you. Why are you keeping all of God's stuff? Hello? Don't you understand that? If you don't give back to God what he has lent you, you are a filthy, rotten, stingy, greedy little piglet. 
Where'd that air come from? Hmm? Where'd that air come from? Who made that air that I just breathed? I need somebody to talk to me. You're my talker from this point on. They're all quiet now. <sighs> Where'd that come from? I wish you could hear, but there's something beating in there. Where did that come from? That came from God, right? When I look in a microscope and I see it all holding together and there's things called cells, where did that come from? God. Now, this is pretty solid. This earth, I'm, where did that come from? God, okay. And that um, you can help them at any time, okay? And, and that big light bulb in the sky that causes photosynthesis down here and helps us not to freeze up and die, where did that thing come from? Oh, that came from God. Okay. And you're going to keep it all? So you can put more decorations on yourself? So you can drive another piece of metal that he made? You didn't make that metal. I'm a self-made man. Elon Musk is a self-made man. If God stopped working with Elon Musk, Elon Musk would be floating away like Thanos did when he snapped fingers, turning to dust. You a self-made mess is what you are without God. <laughs> And you ain't even dust without God. Can I get an amen? God had to make dust to make you to breathe into you. You were the first sand man, then he breathed into you. Hello? And yet we complain. Oh, man, I got to give it back. I, I need to give to God. And, and, you know, in this day and age, there wasn't even a priest to give it to. But you know, now people complain, oh, I give it to the pastor. Oh, look at him and them sketchers. I bet you he's really rich, you know. Look at his clothes, you know. I bet you he lives in a nice house. Look at him. You know when they gave here? It was just left out. It was just left out to God. You ever been to a Chinese restaurant, see some food around a statue? Where do you think they get that from? They get that from the Bible. They'll just leave out food. I'm telling you, people will be starving in India, and you'll be seeing food laying in front of their favorite gods all the time. It's not a waste if the true God told them to do it, but since the true God didn't, it's a waste. But why isn't this a waste? Because God said, I want to test your heart. Do you love the banana more than me, or do you love me more than the banana? Show me what you're going to do with it. Do you love me more than the steak, the out of cheddar, or do you love that out of cheddar more than you love me? Show me what you're going to do with it. This is what the Bible says. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and everybody said, oh, y'all think about that? Y'all quiet today. You're opposite. This is a contrarian audience. Amen. My wife and I working on seven right now. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and everybody who likes that kind of stuff said amen. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And that's a whole other story. I believe she thought that was the Savior that she had prophesied over her after the fall. That's a whole other story. But there was going to be a human history that we're still a part of coming after this. But she thought it was just over, you know, at that point, if you study that sentence. Later, she gave birth to her, his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel's in, Abel's in charge of the flocks. Cain worked with the soil. In the course of time, highlight that, please, because that's very important. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And how do we know they knew to do this? It's because Adam was taught this by God. It was an oral tradition because they wouldn't have been just making this up. They knew this by their daddy teaching it to them. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to God. So here, God, I give this back to you. 
Abel brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Highlight firstborn, please. And tell me if you just caught it. In the course of time, Cain brought something, but Abel brought the first fruit of his flocks. Does everybody get it? You see, one brought something in the course of time. That means time had passed from the moment when the fruit came, and the other one brought the what? The first fruit, the moment it came. The Lord looked with favor favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And that's how some of you look right now as I talk about money. You honestly look just like Cain. Repent and enjoy this message. Amen? Stop acting like you're getting an enema right now. Release and be free in Jesus' name. Okay? (laughs) Pastor's talking about money, calling greedy people piglets. Here it comes. No. You're You're not getting checked for your prostate today. Are you listening to me? It's okay to laugh in church. But we're going to talk about what happened here. Cain got angry. This is what it's like in the world when they see Christians get blessed. People don't want to see Christians blessed. Let Ellen Degenerate get blessed. I mean DeGeneres. Let her get something. Everybody's happy. You ever hear him complaining about her? Yeah, No, you never do. Everybody likes it. Oh, she's rich. She deserves it. Oprah Winfrey, never hear anybody complain about her. Anybody ever complain about Michael Jordan, that he actually has a house? What, what is that thing? $20 million, now they've knocked it down to $5 million. Please put up this house he can't sell in Illinois because he's a greedy little piglet, and he needs to repent. Yeah, I'll cast down that idol right now. You make all this money in Chicago. You, you, well, how much is it? I thought somebody shot that. Put that up for me, please. It's still for sale. You make all this money in Chicago, and you can't donate that house to charity? That's a greedy little piglet. Oh, the Bulls, the Bulls. That's my team. That's my. That's your team? Show up one time to United Center without a ticket and see how much that's your team. Did you have to pay a ticket to come in here? Hello? That's my team. Man, that's not your team. And guess what? They'll get transferred next week talking about how much they love that next city. One week they pray, you know, one, one season they pray for Chicago. Oh, Chicago, you the best fans. Oh, we love Chicago. Then they get transferred over to the Boston Reds. Oh, I love Boston. All you Boston folks. Look at this, $29 million right here. He's been having it for sale for years. Greedy little piglet. In the name of Jesus, we've all got that spirit in us if we don't repent. What would you do if you had that much money? Sell it? Keep waiting to sell it or to give it away? See, we, we act like... Greed don't have different faces and places. This is what greed looks like in our culture. Think about y'all who listen to the ungodly hip-hop. You know that they're talking about you being the sorry little broke thing when they're when they rapping, right? You're the one they're talking about because you're the punk giving them the money to have all them riches. And then they talk about you being sorry and you being broke. I ain't broke like these red dude. I got the money. I got the chain. I ain't like, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a simp. I'm a pimp. Blah, 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 blah. And then... People driving around in a, in a 2001 Honda like, yo, that's my dude. You're the simp he's talking about. You're the one he's talking. You're the one. We make them rich. And then they become greedy. And then, just, and then this is the world we live. Well, now I want to be this influencer. Now I want to be this one. 
So we can watch them waste all of our money, all of our resources. I was watching this other one that my kids had. You know, this what was banned in the United States, and they had it on there, and there was like these little things that had been banned because of whatever reason, like one was a cabbage pass kid because it ate the kid's hair, and he's playing with it. We, we're paying these people millions of dollars to do that, and then we complain about the church wanting to give 10000 to the mission. Shame on us. Faze Rugg was the dude. I don't know his background. I pray he's a Christian. Some of these guys are. He's at least cleaner than the rest. But we make these guys millionaires by watching their, uh, their shows with their advertisements, and then we complain about what God does. We get angry when God does something. But we don't get angry at Faze Rugg. This is a kid with millions of dollars wasting our time showing us stupid stuff all the time. And yet he can live in a mansion. And then we can have a hero. This guy's a hero. We love Michael Jordan. He did so much for our city. And this guy's greed can have him holding it. Look, I want to see how many years it's been for sale. This guy can be selling a property for 10, 15 years. Won't even give you a deal on it. Man, just give it away to some uh, homeless shelter. You made all this money. Come on, somebody. And then we get upset with the church. Nancy, find out how many years it's been up for sale. Ten years. Yeah, look at that. After a decade. Thank you. Still can't sell it. Made all this money off of us. You know, well, I never paid a ticket, but if you did, you know what I'm saying? I'm serious, man. They wear, they wear high shorts, jump around, and then we get turned on and give them all of our money. Dudes wear tights, hit a ball with a bat, and we call that our star. Dude gets sweaty running up and down a grass field, kicking a ball into a net, and we say, that's my dude. Remember I showed you that one influencer that said I would be gay for Ronaldo? Remember I showed you that? I'm not even making this up. This is how ridiculous we get in the world. And yet they can't even give this away. The Bible says it is going to be as a cancer in their soul on the day of judgment, and it will rot them without time, without end, for eternity. And God says the same thing to us. Please go back to the passage because I'm no different than them if I don't do the right thing. I'm a greedy piglet at heart unless I give my best to God. Why do I give tithes and offerings? Because it breaks the greedy piglet out of my life. When I get a check and I realize that this goes back to God, a portion of it, it puts the brakes on my greed. <laughs> Better stop and think about this. Is this really your money? Is this really your tax return or whatever you get it from? Is this really your bonus? How would you have air? How would you have heartbeats? How would you have common sense? How would we have an earth without our God? Show me where to put it, God, and I'll put it there. These brothers put it on the ground or on an altar more than likely and said, here it is, God. Now look at verse 6. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, man? It's like I want to say to the world, why are you so angry? Oh, I'm mad because these pimping pastors, they do this, this, and this. Oh, okay, so by your logic, let me, let me make sure I'm tracking with you. Somebody did something bad with your money, and now you don't give it to that industry anymore, right? That's their logic. I gave once to a church. I gave once to a pastor, and they did X, Y, and Z, and so now I don't give any more to it. So you don't give any more to movies then, then right? Because last time I checked, a lot of them, Downey, Downey, whatever that guy's, Iron Man, used to be on cocaine, all that. So you stopped giving to the movie industry, right? And this dude used to be a gambler, womanizer, cheating on his wife. So you stopped giving to the movies, right? And you stopped giving to the McDonald's because that people back there would be doing some crazy stuff when they get off work. 
Y'all listening to me? I used to work at a fast food restaurant. They all ain't holy when they get off work. Some aren't even holy while they're working. Oh, 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 but that's, that, 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 that's different. Oh, it is. You know, you hypocrite. You a hypocrite. You see, here's the deal. I find the best ones that I can believe in, and I give it to it in the name of the Lord. That's how we do it. That's how they did it back then. That's how we do it now. Well, what if, what if he turns out to be pimping girls in, you know, in uh, the Philippines? And I'll repent to you and say, I'm sorry, demand our money back. But until then, I'm going to take him at his testimony. that He's been in the ministry over 50 years helping people in the Philippines. Until you got something on me, I'll show you that we do ministry in this place. We do what we set our, set our budget to do, and you can check our numbers at any time. This church is about it, about it for the gospel. Amen? That's why we got a gospel truck. That's why everything here is F-R-E-E free. And we pick up the kids that the other churches don't want and bring them here to our youth programs. Back to school outreaches. Go to the west side, the neighborhoods nobody wants. That's why we're out there in Jesus' name. And God have mercy if we ever use it and abuse it. You see, God said to Cain, why are you angry? See, why is the world angry at the church? Yeah, there's been some hucksters and, and shucksters, and, and there's been some people that have taken advantage of others. But I'll tell you the real reason why they're mad at the church is because they don't want Chick-fil-A to have the money. They want the perverted business to have the money. They don't want Hobby Lobby to get rich. They want the next perverted person to get rich. Are you listening? They don't want what we are, as Christians stand for to grow and prosper. They want that a transgender person on the Bud Light uh, uh, you know, can. They want that and see the difference is we want Jesus and we want his plan. That's what I want. Amen. That's what I want. Oh man, you know, well, 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 can't we all just find a neutral ground? No, nothing's neutral. I'm not boycotting everything, but if I have a choice, I'm putting my money where people are going to use it for God's kingdom. I'd rather, I'd rather this man become a billionaire than Faze Rugg become a billionaire because I know what he's going to do with it. You see, the church has been deceived now into being, you know, failures and thinking that the more we're suckers, the better it is for the world. No, it's not. Listen to me. They hate you when you're poor. They hate you when you're rich. Right now in India, the Christians are not given certain jobs. In Pakistan, the same way their, their wives, uh, their children are kidnapped. Please put it up there, kidnapped children in Pakistan. Google that so you guys can see it. Not saying everything Google has is true, but I want you to wake up to this. They hate us when, our, when we're poor. They hate us when we're rich. Am I saying the same, uh, same thing you know, brother? In Pakistan, because we're poor as Christians in a Muslim nation, we don't have rights. They kidnap our daughters. They take them in marriage. Over 900 cases of child kidnapping has been reported in the city of Pakistan's largest city, Punjab, reported in 11 months. Where's the justice warriors for the Christian people? Are you listening? Where's the justice for that? But see, they don't like us when we're poor. They ignore us. And they don't like us when we're rich. They say we're greedy. They, you can't make a sinner happy. Do what God said and become prosperous. Amen? I want to become prosperous so I can rescue these children from the sex slavery of the Muslims. Does that mean your Muslim neighbors wanting to do this? No, I'm just saying there's Muslim people that want to do this, and they do it to us when they're poor, when we're poor. So they don't like us either way. So stop living for the world. 
Beat them at their own game in Jesus' name. Pull up the scripture for me. It says the children of darkness are wiser with their money than the children of light. Some of you are broke and you're blaming it on God, and that's not true. You're broke because you don't work as hard as your neighbor does. You don't make as many sales as your neighbor does because he or she wants it more. Some of you don't get A's. It's not because your professor hates God. It's because they hate your late work. Christians need to stop using Jesus as an excuse. Y'all need to understand what Christianity did for the Western civilized world. We invented the system of the hospitals. That's why you go to these these, uh, clinics and these places that are named after our saints. Are you listening? You don't go to St. Buddha Hospital, but you'll go over here to St. Ignatius. We invented the collegiate system. The first colleges were built by Christians. The first colleges in America were built by Christians. The first college in this city was built by Christians. We are Christians. We are Christ followers. We are not losers. We are not second and third best. Look up Francis Bacon and the scientific uh, method. We invented the scientific endeavor. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? I don't care what conquistadors did in the name of Jesus. They go to hell too. I don't care what slave owners did. They go to hell too. I'm talking about true Christians who followed this Bible, invented civilizations. We built castles. Don't let anybody second guess you on what you're called to do for God. Outdo them in Jesus' name. Not through violence, but through the competition of the capitalistic system. Beat them in Jesus' name. Beat their apps. Beat their views. Beat their technology in the name of Jesus. And then convert the ones that are out there. I want to see Elon Musk converted and crawl on the name of Jesus. He's this close. Pray for him. We are not here to be second best. We are not here to pretend like this world doesn't matter. It does. I'm not just waiting for heaven. Jesus said, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's time for us to show people what heaven looks like. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, all red letters, Jesus talking. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We need to be successful as Christians as much as it depends on us. I'm not saying a janitor is not successful. I'm just saying be the best janitor then. Then somebody's got to own the janitorial business. Then be the one who owns it. And then someone's got to own the building that the janitor gets to to do his work. Are you listening? Those names on those buildings mean something. I want Trump's name to be replaced with Jason's name because I know he won't have four wives and live an immoral life. This man should have a building with his name on it and live for Jesus. And I do thank God that Trump's getting closer to Christianity and so are others, but I want to see holy men and women of God be successful again. Go back to the scriptures, please. And it starts with how you look at what you're going to do with your success. You see, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin, watch, in the form of bitterness, is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over him. Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Talk about doing the exact opposite. That, that's not good. But that's what the world would rather do. Everybody get this. 
the, 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 the non-Christian world would rather extinguish us than to follow Jesus like us. They would rather kill us and take us off this planet. Google for me the amount of Christians that die every year in persecution. They would rather take us out than to follow God with us. But how many are willing to live for Jesus, live or die? And how many know that's the only way they can stop our prosperity is by persecuting us? That's why they persecute us in Pakistan because they know we'll take over the nation. That's why they persecute us in Iran. There's a Christian revolution going on. That's why they persecute us in China. My brother's been to the underground church in China, met with pastors who have served as many as 20 years in jail. They stop us there because they know if they let the Christians have freedom, as we have here in other nations, we will win every time. Our belief system will win. We don't have to force you to be a Christian. That was the worst thing Christians ever did was force people to do it because then they used the, the tactics of Satan to produce the end goal. And it makes not only the gospel look bad, it makes the one you converted a false convert. If you convert at the sword, how, how true is really your belief? See, Christianity never converted by the sword until Islam came, then the Crusades came, and then expansion came. That's a whole other conversation. Islam actually was responsible for that. But 360 million Christians are suffering right now under persecution because they hate us and don't want our, per our prosperity. But will you be prosperous in this nation with the freedom that you have? Will you do that, yes or no? Will you do what these Christians wish they could do? These 360 million Christians wish they had the freedom you have. What are you doing with it? And thousands are dying every year, but you never hear about it on the media going back to the Genesis passage. Thank you, brother. You're doing awesome. Going back to the Genesis passage, instead of listening, Abel to the, uh, excuse me, Cain listening to the Lord and then doing what Abel did, he does the opposite. He kills his brother. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And yes, we are. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You are now under a curse, driven from the ground. Now notice, it was from the ground that he got his stuff and did it wrong. And now his brother's blood is there crying out and it curses him. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will, when you work it, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Go back to Hebrews quickly, please, before I let my brother come and encourage you. Why do you think it starts off here with the faith of uh, Abel here? Why doesn't it start off with Noah? Why, why doesn't it start off with the others? is because this right here sets the precedent for the rest of the scriptures. Will you see your life as something that belongs to God and that God deserves the best, or will you take God's resources and be Jimmy and take all you can give me and not give anything back? Look at these principles quickly. Exodus chapter 23, verses 16 and onward, as the law will eventually come to the Israelites and they get the clarifications of what's important and how to give their offerings. Notice what God commands them in Exodus chapter 23, verse 16. It says, celebrate the festival of harvest with the what of your crops? The first fruit. Remember, Abel brought the what of his animals? The what? The first fruit. What was uh, Cain supposed to bring? The first fruit of your cops. Now notice what it says here. He says three times a year you are to appear before the Lord. Verse 18, do not offer the blood sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. Now look at verse 19. Bring the what of your first fruits? 
the best, not just first fruits. See, that's already showing a priority. I'm bringing the first. I'm not coming in the course of time. I'm bringing the first. But then out of your first, sister, what are you supposed to do? Look for the best. Look for the best. Oh, okay. These are the first bananas. These are the first oranges. These are the first apples. Okay. Now, which one of these are the best? You think God's petty for that? No, God is teaching them respect. Go to Malachi chapter 1. By the end of, this is at the beginning of Israel's history. By the end of Israel's history, God is so fed up with their cheap imitation offerings that he says, y'all are cursed, all of you like Abel, uh, Cain now. Look at Malachi chapter 1. As he begins to rebuke them for their lackadaisical attitude, starting in verse 6, he says, but some of you are in contempt, a contempt of my offerings. He says, I'm a master. Where is the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's uh, table is contemptible when you offer blind blind animals for sacrifice. Well, well, you know what? God don't eat it anyway, so just send off the blind one. When you offer the blind one, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Try paying your taxes like you give to the Lord in church. Try giving to your mortgage like you give to the church cheapskate. Come on. Try doing that in the world and see how it will go down with you. Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? All that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not accept no more offerings from your hands. My name is a great name among the nations from the sun rises to where it sets and every place incense and pure offering will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations says the Lord Almighty that's the Bible and your pastor will say it the same way if you don't want to give everything you got to God according to what is God's then go to another church and tip him like you tip wherever you go but we ain't playing that here we're givers here. I'm not saying I'm going to check your tithing at the door. I'm just saying if your attitude says, Joe, don't teach me about tithes and offerings every week, then go to another church. We're done. Well, what about those greedy pastors? They're going to hell with you then, I guess. Then, then that's your choice. Jesus said it very clearly like this. You cannot serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other. Pull up that scripture, please. And then what does he say? You cannot serve God and mammon. The number one comp competition for your soul, according to God, is not pornography, is not, uh, you know, just another religion. The number one thing he said is money. The greed of a person's heart. Please find that scripture. Let no one deceive you, my brothers and sisters. Greed is still alive today, and it happens among all people. You cannot be devoted to both at the same time. You cannot serve both God and money. I would rather have a church with two people that give their best to God than to have a church full of a bunch of canes. Are you listening to me? I'm not here to pastor canes, but I'm not here to shake you down either. I'm not here to give you 10 offerings and three pastor anniversaries and help us build the next big building. No, no, no. It's very simple. 
And we talk about it every week here. And I wish I had more time, but maybe a part two next week. The Bible says a tenth belongs to the Lord. Let me just show that to you quickly. Go to Hebrews. Because sometimes people ask, well, where's the tenth in the New Testament? We are in the Hebrews series, so go to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4. A tenth is a representative of our first fruit. That's how the Bible explains it. I don't have time to get into it all, but these are for those who are taking this serious and will do their homework. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4. We've been through here. It says, just, how think, uh, just, just think how great his plunder was, that plunder was that even the patriarch a- a- Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. This is when Abraham was giving his tithe to Melchizedek. Now the law requires that the descendants of Levi, who became priests, to collect a tenth from the people. That's how the Old Testament was done. That is from their fellow Israelites, even though they are descended from Abraham. Now some people like to say, well, we're not Israelites. We're not in that Old Testament anymore. Keep going. This man, however, did not trace his descendant from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham. That's talking about Melchizedek. And blessed him who had the promises. That means Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Abraham had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, now notice this, the tenth is collected by people who die. That is the Old Testament. That is the Levitical priest. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Highlight that, please. By him who is declared to be living. Is Jesus still living? Yes or no? Is he my priest? Is he in the order of Melchizedek? Then I'm still tithing. Do you see it? Read it again. In the one case, Old Testament. Because people are like, I thought that was just an Old Testament thing. Very true. There's a lot in the Old Testament we do not follow. Why do I still follow the tithe? It's right here in Hebrews. I've already explained it in that part of the series. I will again clear carefully. In the one case, the tenth. The tithe is collected by people who die, the priests who are in the Levitical system, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. That is why I still tithe, okay? Now, let me share this with you, and please be patient with uh, Pastor Ray as he comes. The Bible teaches us 10%, first fruit, goes to the Lord. After that, we decide an offering to him on behalf of the generosity in our heart. These things are between you and God. I will never require you to do that to come to this church. If your heart is to learn to do that, then learn with this church how to do that. I have been tithing since I got my first allowance as my dad taught me how. I have never regretted tithing my entire life, and I have given to some, some whack, fake churches. But I know my heart was always right. Brothers and sisters, find a place to give a tithe. If this is your church, give that unto the Lord, and then give offerings. Why? for the lessons you just learned. Now, quickly, in closing, going to the Hebrews passage in 11, what will it take, though? Faith. Because you're storing for yourselves treasures in heaven where you don't see it here on earth. Wouldn't all of us like a 10% bonus? We'll keep your tithing. Now you got it. But here's the problem with that. You've robbed God, and you've robbed the opportunity to have a blessing in heaven. Now, When I give, I give to places I get to see change on earth. Yes, I do. I'm seeing what God is doing in this church, in his life, and in his ministry, and others that I support and do things with as offerings. But I don't see the fullness of it. And so the old preachers used to tell the stories of, what is it going to be like when we go to heaven and we see precious people that we gave to? Those like Pastor Ray and his congregation. I believe that they're going to say thank you for giving to the Lord. I believe even right now for those that we see but that are not grateful, on judgment day, they'll thank us. Hey, 
Thanks, my brother, for coming to the west side, making hamburgers and chili for me every month. Thank you. I believe people are going to say to Pastor Bertle, Pastor Bertle, thank you for opening up your home and giving me a Bible study when I needed it. Others are going to say, thank you for giving to the underground churches. Part of our offering in this church goes to the underground churches. Thank you for doing that. I believe every dollar that we sow into the kingdom of God will result in changed lives. In other words, these chairs that you're sitting on came from people who believe that one day you'll sit there and you'll receive the gospel. You don't even know some of their names, but they gave so you could be here. And then you're going to be grateful for that, aren't you? And now you want to give it back. That gospel truck, as it goes out, people are going to say, I believe even on Judgment Day, thank you because when you gave, you gave so I could see a gospel truck come down my neighborhood. The first thing that I said when we were out in front of Prosser High School last week, and we'll be going this week, again, we brought out the basketball goal. We brought out the candy. You guys would be so proud of the team that was out there. This is what we said. Hey, young people, stop and make a shot. You can take as many shots as you want, but if you win one, uh, if you make one, you can only win one gift card. They stopped and they started making shots. You'd be so proud of our team that was out there. We then brought out a humongous bucket of candy. We said you could take as much candy as your hand can fit. All that we ask is that you take a card to our youth group. You'd be so proud of our youth leaders that were out there like Jason and others. Did they not stop and spend time with us? Even after they had won a gift card, got candy, they were still talking with us. And this is what I said over the mic. Young people... You think because of the pain you feel in your heart and the unfairness of life that running downtown and destroying the whole thing is the way to go. No, that's the way of Cain. No, I can't get Nikes. Nobody's getting Nikes. I can't, I can't afford anything on the Magnificent Mile. Nobody's going to be on the Magnificent Mile. I'm going to tear the whole thing down, murder if I have to. Hey, woman, you going in that condo, you don't deserve that condo. Pulled her by her hair, drug her out, and beat her. On the streets in front of the high school, we preached to them that message. That's not what you need. What you need is Jesus. What you need is contentment of your heart. Because you know how I avoid greed, not only by tithe and offering, but Paul said, I'll be content in all situations. Whether I have a lot or have a little, I will serve Jesus. Because my success doesn't come from my bank account. It comes from Jesus Christ saying to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then the next message that I sent to, said to them after I shared that with them is I said, y'all listen to me. Don't you ever say the church didn't do nothing for you. Because that candy in your mouth and that gift card to Little Caesars tells you otherwise. Because what would those kids think to themselves? What do most of them think? You ask this generation, they're the most ungodly, unbelieving that's ever been around. As a matter of fact, they're most transgender confused than they've ever been. You think that's a coincidence? The least that they've ever gone to church is this generation. Your grandparents were the most, but the most confused over their sexual identity is this generation. You think that's any doubt? I mean, any coincidence? You think that the generation that knows the least about God is the most violent, the most suicidal, the most on drugs? You think that's a coincidence? Man. So I said to him, Lawrence is right there. Come on, brother. You come to this keyboard, please. This is what I said to him. I said, don't you say the church don't love you. I said, because we love you. Some of them, I'm telling you, man. Some of them walked over to the candy because, like, taking candy from strangers is obviously, like, rule number one. You don't do that. We're street smart here. What are you doing, dude, telling me to have your candy? I'm like, no, that's no, not like that. 
I was away from the candy. But this is how some of them walked over to it. And then they would just take one. And I said, no, you didn't hear me. I said, I want it to come out of your hand till it's dropping on the floor. I'll pick it up. I said, I want you to get as much as you can. And then maybe one would do it. I'm serious. You would think the kids of our city would just go, ah! No, they weren't like that at all. Am I telling the truth? They walked over. Some would just look at it. Just, you know, take one. I said, no, listen. You don't get what I'm saying. Put your whole hand in there until it falls out. Put it in your pocket. Take it home. All that I ask is that you grab that flyer next to it because we love you. You don't have to have money to show people you love them. But when you have it and you don't give it, it shows you don't love them. It's about time the church got the right idea of prosperity. Because I want to be able to set up, I mean, we've given away five bikes at a time, three computers. I want to set up a thousand computers out there. Each one of you get a computer. Each one of you get a bike. Each one of you. And they started to get it in their mind. And so one friend did it and put it in their pocket. Like, oh, look, they're not, they're not messing with this. This is actually true. You can have it. You can have it. And the other one came. The other one came. And I'm telling you, the joy that I had in my heart at that moment was like, yeah, they get it now. Because all they think about the church is a bunch of religious people taking the money to make the pastor rich or do whatever with their building. And they don't see it on the streets. They don't see it where it's at. That's why the same story, when we go out there on Fentanyl Avenue on uh, Chicago and Western and you flipping those burgers, and I'm sure you've been close to me to hear this, they say, well, how many can we get? As many as you want, just come back in line. You're serious? Yeah, come on back. They'll, they'll take their first hamburger and then they'll be standing around, you know, just, are you sure? Yeah, come on back. You know what I'm talking about. Because... They don't even trust us anymore. What's, what's the deal? When I was telling them that I had gift cards, they didn't even believe me. I had to, like, show it to them. I bet you some of them that even made the free throw shot that had the gift card didn't even believe me until they went to the place and actually swiped it. They were probably like, man, I don't know about this. As the old saying goes, people don't want to know how much you love them. They don't want to know about it. They want to see it. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We can shout all day, hey, man, young people, you need Jesus. But it's a whole nother thing when you go out there and you show them Jesus. Now, I'm not saying we have to bribe them, you know, because then we can just go to the next level. All oh, y'all getting Lamborghinis. You get in the car. You get in the car. We become the next Oprah. But I'm telling you, the church needs to make a difference. And as I get ready to hand the mic to my brother here, that's what I think about when I think about the Philippines. One of the best things that I want to do as we go to the Philippines is I want to go to the skate park and to these places that I can relate to. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you'll go to the taqueria. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm sure they have a little food stand half kid with you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You go to the open mic where they're playing instruments, you know. But I want to go to the skate spot. I want to go to the skate spot. And I want to bring like three or four skateboards with me and be like, look, man, let's just have a little mini competition right here. Let me give you guys some skateboards to the winners. I just want to bless you guys for free. Just have it. Berto and I can relate to this because when we started the church, there wasn't many people here. We would just go out and tell people, man, we're going to do a basketball tournament. Remember when we had it out here in the parking lot? Basketball tournament. Why? Because we just wanted to show the city that we love them. 
when all this stuff with COVID was going down, people were like hating on us. But there was every now and then somebody that would show up on a live feed or something, and they would say something like, y'all should be nice to Metro Praise, even though they're not wearing masks or vaccinated, doing whatever you think they should do. Man, they helped my kids. Man, they did back-to-school outreaches. We need to show the world that we're going to use our prosperity for good. If we ever get a building bigger than this, we're going to use every square inch of it for the glory of God. You want to know the smallest room in here? My office. The bathroom's bigger than my office. That's the way it should stay. I don't need it big. If we get a big office, fine. It's just for me to fit more of you and to have counseling sessions after you get offended after services like this. No, I'm kidding. But here's the deal. You know what the biggest room's going to be? The gym the children's room. I go out to the suburbs. I went to one church in the suburbs. They had a rock climbing wall in the children's church. I'm like, y'all don't even need this out here in the suburbs. You can literally climb the rock right there. You got like a mountain right next to this place. It was in Wisconsin. I go rock climbing in Wisconsin. Most of these kids probably belong to gyms already. You know where a church needs to have a rock climbing wall? Right here. You know what the YMCA started off as? Young Men Communist Association. Is that how it started? No. Young men what? Christian association. Where are they now? Where's the next generation that's going to raise up young people? But you see, the church can't do that if we're wondering how we turn it on the lights, how we pay in the bills. we got to have more than enough so we can go out there and give it. We have to have generosity in our hearts so that when the missionary comes, that's why I thank God. This is what we said to him when he first came. Hey, brother, we already given you 2500 because we got it in our mission savings. We have over 12000 in our mission savings for times like this. We gave away 5000 of it during those times. And what did I ask you guys? Hey, man, if you could just match it, that would be awesome. You guys tripled it, almost quadrupled it. And so I know I'm not preaching to stingy people here. I just want you to hear it from a pastor's heart. When we are like opposite of Jesus, we can't expect to see what Jesus got in his life and saw in his life. But if we're like Jesus, we'll see what he saw. I would love for Michael Jordan to give away that building so that this man can go to the mission field. Hey, man, I'm going to sell my building on auction now. Best price goes to the Philippines. And some, and some people do that. I know they do. But we need more of that in Chicago. Because when you think of our city, you think of corruption, you think of violence, but you don't talk about the church, do you? Nobody says, well, look what that church is. There's a few, but I'm just saying nobody thinks of it that way. I want people to say, man, there's revival in Chicago. There's generosity in Chicago. There's a new uh, clinic over here, like the Lawndale Clinic. Man, that was a Christian that started that. There's more hospitals here. There's more back-to-school program. By the Hand is an amazing one in our city. I want them to think about what God is doing here. Can you give it up for Pastor Ray Lierna as he tells us a few testimonies? I've already kept them a long time, Pastor, but you better give them some of that good stuff, and they can stay to what, 3 o'clock? I think they can handle This brother was telling me he was in an underground church in Vietnam preaching the gospel in a school bus. You know what they had to do? They had to rent a bus because it's illegal there. They blacked out the windows with curtains, and they put them on that bus and said, we'll drive our pastors around for the day. You just keep preaching to them. He said in another place they went in Vietnam, he was preaching to about 60 of them. They were sitting on the floor. They stopped only once to have a short break, but they were there for eight hours. Can you all give it up for Pastor Ray one more time? Thank you. Wow. You are blessed to have a pastor like him who doesn't apologize the word of God. 
declaring to you. A man that doesn't tickle the ears, but tell it like it is. I salute you, man of God. Amen. We're talking about faith. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Pastor, you read it in a different translation. It says, in the course of time. But I was reading it following him in my King James, New King James Version. He said, in the process of time, faith needs to be processed. Faith doesn't happen just because you talk about faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it takes time to understand it and process it. When faith is processed, it reveals the identity and the reality who God is. We put our faith in a concrete evidence. Well, I'm not going to talk about it, but I'm going to tell about how faith works. We can talk about faith and we can discuss about faith, but if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Faith works. And faith works. All of the heroes of faith, it works because of one thing. They obey the Word of God. One day, as a young man, went to church with just one fair to go to church and back. Ten cents. Just ten cents in, in American money so you can understand. Twenty cents. Ten cents going to church. Ten cents going home. The offering was taken and the Lord said, give your ten cents. I said, God, this will not, this will not mean anything. I said, I live three miles away. And it is, the sun is hot. I cannot give this. I put my hands in my pocket and hold that 10 cents. I'm not going to let you go. I don't want to walk. The Lord said, do you love me? Yes. Then keep my commandments. Do my commandments. But oh God, I don't want to walk. During that time, the offering basket is being passed along. I think the usher know that God was talking to me. He was not leaving in front of me. My hands was already sweating. And God said, Are you gonna give it or not? I got scared. <laughs> I put that dime in the offering basket. And I said, oh God, please don't let it rain. I have no, because in the Philippines, it could be sunny, but all of a sudden it will rain. I said, I have no umbrella. The service was over. I have friends that we go home together. He said, let's go. Well, I said, go ahead. I have no more transportation money. I said, you go ahead. Come on. I said, no, I'm waiting for somebody. I want them to leave because I will be forced to ride. If they did not pay my way, my, my fare, I will be in trouble. So I said, go ahead. So I was watching them in the corner, and they were all gone. I said, it's time for me to go. While I was standing there, the janitor of the church said, 
Sir, you better go home now. You better go out. I'm closing the door because I'm going out to, to lunch. I will come back again to open it for the, for the next service. I was standing there and I said, Lord, I'm going to start walking. But I'm going to walk not along the road because I don't want anybody to see me walking from the church. It means it's a little bit longer, a longer way. I was standing there contemplating what to do. A Mercedes-Benz stopped by. He honked, and then the wife rolled the window, and I said, Ray, come on. Go with us. I said, you are going to the opposite direction. No, we'll take you home. I said, I'm going to the opposite direction. He said, we're passing by your house. We have a business in the other side of the town. Hop in. The Lord said, your 10 cents will not put you in a Mercedes. <laughs> I jumped into the, uh, into the car and, the, and the, uh, the wife said, no, no, no. You sit down in the front. Wow. So I sit down in the front. The husband said, are you rushing home? I said, no. Well, can you give us a few, a few minutes? Because we are hungry. Can we stop by and eat? They brought me to a, a very special Chinese restaurant. And they ordered a thing. And the leftover, they gave it to me. So they fed me already. I rode on a Mercedes Benz with 10 cents. You can never outgive God. When they dropped me off at the corner, I said, thank you. I said, uh, are you coming to church tonight? I said, I'm planning to <laughs> because I have no money. So I came out of the car. The wife went back to the seat. The husband got off of the car came to me and hugged me and I said, you're a fine young man and shook my hand and there was 50 pesos in it. The Lord said, you only give me 15, 10 cents. I give you 50. You can never outgive God. I went back to church that night Another man said to me, Hey, come, let's have let's talk for a while. Why are you keep coming to church when you know you live too far? There are other churches there. Because I feel like this is where I belong. I said, How do you survive? I said, Well, I work here and there and there. Young man, no job, but I have faith in God. I believe that God will take care of me. And I said to me, here's, he give me a, a dollar. It equivalent to a dollar. So you cannot outgive God. Not too long ago, maybe two, three years ago, a pastor's wife got sick. And he called me and said, can you help? And uh, I said, it's in the hospital. The wife is in the hospital. They need money. I told my daughter, I said, how much money do we have in our personal account? It's so much. He said, 30,000 uh, pesos. 30,000 pesos is uh, $350. I 
I said, withdraw it. Why? We'll send it to this place. Dad, we have bills to pay. Electricity, water, this and this and that. That's the only money we have. I said, that doesn't belong to us. That belongs to the Lord. She was angry with me for a while. I said, when we have nothing, where do you go? I said, to God. So we send that. Bills were piling up. I come to the point. My daughter said, see, here. We have now a disconnection of the telephone company. What are we going to do? I said, nothing. What can you do? Before the deadline, I told my daughter, I said, see if we have some more, a little bit of money there. Maybe you made a mistake. Dad, I'm not stupid. I'm not crazy. I know what was in there, and I know what I took out. I said, just check. I, I just feel this urge for you to check it. Why? I don't know. Just check it. I'm telling you, check She looked at it and said, why? I said, that, did you deposit some money? I said, no. I said, there is a deposit a few hours ago, more than enough to cover the electricity. I said to her, see, you can never outgive God. When you process it in your mind that your life belongs to the Lord and that everything that you have is the Lord's, it is not difficult to act by faith in obedience to give what belongs to the Lord. One more thing before I give this to microphone to Pastor Joe. I just want to share how faith operates. It's simply just taking God's word and run with it without any question. Because if you question and you hesitate, your logical thinking will control you. Because faith doesn't operate in a logical mind. That's why it's called faith. A young uh, uh, um, a missionary uh, asked me one time, but I was in the Philippines and said, you're building this big building. You just bought the, the land. How much is your budget in your ministry? I said, nothing. What? Nothing? You're building? You have no budget? I said, no. I said, why? Because it's impossible to budget faith. When you look at your budget, your faith will die. But when you operate beyond, of course, we cannot be stupid and ignorant. God has given us wisdom. You know. But when God begins to move and work in us, we cannot afford to disobey the Lord. In this instance, I was invited. I was living in San Francisco. I was invited to speak in Hong Kong. I told my wife I'm going, but I said, you have no money. You send the money to a mission field, and now you're going to a mission field, you have no money. I said, I'm not going to the airport with you. I said, are you going? You have no money? You have no ticket? I said, the Lord said, go. And be out. Please, do not be foolish. Okay. When you know it's the Lord, 
even if it is a firing squad, you should have nothing to fear. Because though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. When you know what God is telling you to do is from the Lord, there should be no hesitation, no fear whatsoever. My wife said, you know that you're invited to go to Hong Kong to speak. Why did you send that money to a mission field when you needed that money? I said, you saw to reap. If you don't sow, you have no harvest. And my wife said, you're crazy. I said, I was so exasperated with her. I said, get it behind me, Thomas. <laughs> get it behind me, Thomas. Just pack my suitcase. She packed my suitcase and was complaining. And I said, you take it, you go by yourself. I'm not going to go with you and see you off at the airport. If they laugh at you, at least you by yourself. So I picked up my suitcase and my briefcase. I hopped into a taxi. I was lining on front of the Pan American Airlines. It's, all, it's already gone. I'm still here. But American Airlines is no longer here, but I'm still here. I was standing in the line, three ladies in the counter. I was the third two, the one in the front. Somebody came around with me and I said, I said, you go ahead first. I said, are you sure? I said, yeah. You go ahead first. I was trying to wear because I was contemplating in my mind. Lord, shall I go forward or not? My wisdom, my, 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 my intellect, my, my uh, common sense was telling me, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're crazy, you're putting yourself into a, a position where you're going to be <laughs> ridiculed. So I keep saying, now the time came there's nobody anymore behind me. And no one in front of me. And the lady said, three of them, are you flying? Yes. Come. <laughs> My mind is saying, go. My spirit said, move <laughs> forward. I pretended. I said, wait. I pretended doing like that to my, my briefcase because I am really... A little bit, you know. My flesh was trying to take over. And all of a sudden, he said, if I, while I'm doing I, it, I process it in my mind. God is not going to embarrass me and put me to shame. Never God will embarrass, insult, and put to shame those who obey Him. So, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, take your passport, go in front with a smile, handed it to them. <laughs> and just look at them. So, I pulled my suitcase. I went there and I said, good evening, ladies. <laughs> my passport. <laughs> they opened me a passport. Oh, so you are Reverend Ray Arena? We were wondering if you are coming or not. There's a ticket here for you, waiting for you. Hallelujah. Once you experience that, you will not be reluctant to obey the Lord. 
faith needs to be processed in your mind. Obedience needs to be processed in your mind. And when you process it, it can only be processed through the Word of God. Folks, what a powerful message we have heard today. You know, process it in our mind. Do not be afraid to obey the Lord. Now, I will close with this. I was pastoring in Sheboygan, Michigan, north of Detroit. It is a white community of 25,000, 23,000 people. The church is solid white. We are the only different color. I usually uh, joke and say, but if the first few months I was there, I will stand up in front of the congregation. I feel like I'm the coffee among the cream. The church was growing. Lutherans are getting saved. The Catholics are getting saved. Miracle was happening. Uh, deliverance were taking place. Demon possessed are being delivered. Uh, people are from... I was the number one enemies with, uh, with uh, uh, the Lutheran pastor and the Methodist pastors and the, the uh, Wesleyan pastor and the Catholics because their congregation were coming in to our church because of the move of God. We're in the process of buying a 30 acres of land to build a bigger sanctuary and uh, a halfway house. Then the Lord began to speak to me pack up your things and go back to your land of nativity. I said to the Lord, I said, he said, in Jesus' name, get thee behind me, Satan. I said, this is not of God. God will never punish me after I've given my life to him and I build up the Satan because I was enjoying myself. Catholics and, and believers will say, can you please visit my family member in the hospital and God will be gracious, they will be healed and get out the following day that's how the church grew and I said to the Lord I, was, I said this must not be God this is the devil I was not processing it in my mind because my flesh was repulsive to it because I don't want to suffer going back to the country means leaving the convenience and the luxury of life in here Meaning giving up my car and my, my, my house. The church bought us a beautiful house. And the Lord said to me, I can give you more than what you are giving up. So finally, I processed in my mind, it's the Lord. So I said to the Lord, okay. My life belongs to you. I will go. I told my wife. My wife said, you go. You are the one called. I'm not called. God did not speak to me. He spoke to you. You go. I said, lady, wherever the head goes, the body follows. I said, not this body. <laughs> Try me. I'll prove to you. There's a divorce paper that will be in front of you. I got so angry. I said, woman, submit yourself to your husband. The argument began. She influenced my three kids. 
And they were all on her side because they, my, my wife will tell them, would you like to be eaten by mosquitoes? Would you, would you like to be, uh, you know, living among cockroaches? Rats? Are you going to be in the place where everything is smelly? And the children were saying, Ayah, I can't go back to the Philippines. We'll stay here. And my wife said, you go, I will support you. I'll give you monthly support. And if you come, if you want to come and visit us every December, I will send you your airfare. But I'm not going with you. I said, I'm going to prove to you that I'm the head of this house. Huh? I said, go ahead. One day the Lord said to me, leave your wife alone. I'll take care of her. It took almost three months. I love her. I mean, see, you know, I want to say, is there anything I can do for you? you know? I said, let me do that for you. Yeah. I was not really answering him. The Lord was just saying to me, just be nice to her. One night at 2 o'clock in the morning, she was crying, screaming. I thought she was having a nightmare. So I woke her up. I slapped her twice and, and she woke up and said, uh, and she opened up her eyes and she saw me. She threw her arms around me and I said, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I said, 2 o'clock in the morning, where are you going? To the Philippines. And we sat down there on the edge of, of the bed and said, in her dream, the Lord spoke to her. If you are not fighting your husband, you're fighting me. From that time on, she packed the whole house. Three weeks later, we were in the plane. I sold everything. There was no single promise of support to anybody. As a matter of fact, most of my friends and the people in the church and friends that I know around the country, they said, you're crazy. You're stupid. Don't leave the church. Just go there once a year. I said, that's not the plan of God. I process it in my mind. There's no confusion. This is the will of the Lord. I burned the bridges away behind me. I landed there in the, in the Philippines with just 20 thousand dollars in my pocket for my family and the ministry without any source of support from anywhere except I know in my heart as I process it in my mind God did it before He can do it again and again and again and again and today I'm standing before you when we landed there, we do not know what, going, what we are going to do. My wife was saying to me, $20,000 when we convert it into Philippine currency, it will not take us a long way. But then my wife said to me, the one who doesn't want to go home to the Philippines, but wait, honey, we have a big God, and we have a God of miracle, a God who owned the, the cattle and the thousands and the silver and the gold is in the hands of the Lord. We're going to survive. And I said to myself, Look at who is talking. At first, he doesn't want to go. And I said, why will you resist him before? Because I was spoiled, she said. I got so carried away with the luxury of life in here. 
but there is nothing that can replace in my life nothing in this world of what the Lord of the Lord loves and grace to me today we have 36 churches in the Philippines it used to be 100 churches but because when I moved back to Chicago the many churches became independent on their own when I went back there were 36 churches left we have an orphanage I shut it down because finances was not enough all of the children was adopted some here in United States California and uh, Virginia Washington is the most of our kids was adopted in Norway because the Norwegian government has an agency for adoption in the Philippines so most of our kids we have 60 children in the orphanage from newborn to 13 years old that's Pastor Joe how this school got started our Christian school got started because my wife used to be before we got married she was a school teacher when we got married she gave her life completely to the ministry when the children are about to go to school my wife said we cannot send them to public school we'll invest some money and we'll just send we'll have just these 15 kids that are going to kindergarten and first grade we will educate them to the word of God so that's how the school was birthed. But then the community heard about it. We were the only school during the time, 1986. We, the school was open. We have 79 students enrolled on top of our 15 kids in the orphanage who are free of tuition because we built it for them. And so the school was surviving through the little amount the charges was so small during the time because all what we want is to educate the children the, the heart of the kids and the mind of the kids uh, the knowledge of the Lord this year we celebrated the 37th year of the school we're celebrating this year the 39th year of the ministry Tomorrow or next year, that's when I'm asking Pastor Joe to come. We'll be celebrating the 40th year of the ministry and my 80th year birthday. So, if I did not obey the Lord, I would have not seen what God has done. And because of that obedience, my going to the Philippines, God opened the door for me to Africa open the door for me to China, to Vietnam, to Burma. Burma is not a communist country, but it's a socialist country. You, you are only given uh, seven days visa to go there. And you cannot go as a missionary. I've been to in and out of, uh, of, of uh, uh, India. If I did not leave uh, Michigan, I would have never touched the world. And so now the Lord would say to me, Look what I have given you. What you think what you're giving up is so great, but you never know what I'm giving you is beyond your imagination. So, there is always an element of fear to begin with. 
but as you process it in your mind, how good and faithful God is, you process it in your mind how God has loved you so much. And then the Apostle Paul said, By that I beseech you, brethren, give your worship to God. Offer your, your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what Abel did. He processing in his mind that what God is asking him, the very best and the first fruit, and the best of the first fruit, is not given one iota of what God has given him and about to give him. Going back to the ten cents, the Lord said, if you did not let go of the ten cents, most probably you have walked home because you can, could have lost it. If you did not give the 10 cents, you could have not come back to church that Sunday night. So you can never outgive God. Your faith is processed through the Word of God. Not through your emotion because you have heard somebody that stimulate your emotion and stirred up your emotion and you are being hyped up to your emotion. No, your faith is established in the fact of the proven word of God. You process it in your mind. The word of God never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will remain forever. Hallelujah. I can tell you a story and story about it did not only happen once that somebody deposited in my account. It happened twice, and up to this time, I did not know who deposited. And the Lord said to me, you do not need to know. All what need, you need to know, I provided something for you. God can even use, use the devil to provide for your need. Because one day, and believers meet my needs. You give to another hand, the other hand is ready to receive. If you don't let go, you will never get what is coming to you. So open up and then you catch. Amen? Pastor Joe. Let's all stand up. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? We appreciate your time and patience today. Father, we thank you so much for this.